Motown Rundown, thanks for joining us. Today is Wednesday, January 12th. We are recording at 11 p.m. If there's a will, there's a way. We've already somehow managed to start our new year of 2022 on the complete wrong foot by skipping an entire week of episodes because we just three busy guys here, three busy guys, uh, busy work schedules, trends still in school and just social lives off the charts. You wouldn't even believe how active we are in the social uh, in the social sphere. So that's why we uh, were we're a week behind, but we're here. And uh, thanks to uh, nothing going on. Right. Ravs, nothing going on. Right. No, not at all. Um, (laughs) Hey, I've got something for you. Happy birthday, Ravs belated. Yes. Thank you very much. As I said, happy birthday to Ravs this year. I'm like, you know what? You know what was funny? (laughs) Because Trent, I don't Trent, You texted me individually, right? It wasn't in the group chat. I did, too. So I'm so after Trent texted me because I told you guys, I think last year, how I was going to start keeping track of the people that wish me happy birthday, because when it comes to I get ragged on by my friends of like I like I'm the most active person in the world on Facebook because I wish everyone happy birthday. Well, I told myself last year I was only going to wish people happy birthday that said it to me. So I was actually thinking after Trent texted me, I was like, there's no way that Collins remembers or like cares enough to like he doesn't know. And then he ended up texting me, which was which was a big surprise. I still there's a little list in my head of there's a short list of a few a few a few people who didn't say anything, which I'm a little upset about. But good good job for for Ryan Collins because Collins, it's no fault of your own, but sometimes your brain just doesn't keep track of things like that. So I was well, very the thing about impressed. It, if you, there's some days. I'm very weird in this fact that I'll look at Twitter nonstop, but there's some days where I won't look at like Instagram or Snapchat at all. And that's when, you know, people have birthdays usually just like, it's hard to remember someone's birthday, like on the day, especially like a Ravs Ravs, your birthday is kind of like the middle of the year. I don't know. It's a tough, it's, it's not like by a specific date. It's not easy to remember. So. That's if I don't fair. see like an Instagram post, it's hard for me to like completely dial it in. My see this year, I changed it up because you. Well, first of all, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pump my own tires like people are posting shit on Instagram for my birthday. Like you look at some of the like some of these girls I know. There's 30 pictures being posted on their birthdays. They're all posting their story. I got that though. Well, don't that's where. I mean, I, I've always been one of those guys where it's like, Hey, you know, if it's your birthday, just accept it. When someone posts something, you don't need to like repost it to get the attention. But this year, I don't well, know what, what if came you look good me. in it though, Rabs. Yeah. I mean, so my cousin, Sydney, shout out cousin Sid. She actually posted a picture on her Instagram story for my birthday. And I was like, you know what? I'll repost it. I don't know if that triggered some people to say happy birthday to me or what, but I did it, it. Did for me. That was what it was. Yeah, I, I first time looking at it, like got off work, looked at Instagram. I was like, oh, it's Rev's birthday. Well, there you birthday. go. My mom used to have this giant calendar dedicated to birthdays. Like before social media, you would just flip through the calendar and all it would have are birthdays. So you'd see like where's Uncle David's and Uncle Steven's, Cousin Sid, everyone's on there. So now the only the truth be told, the only way I really remember birthdays is, is via Facebook. So if you're fa- if, and I have some friends who do not have their birthdays on Facebook. So I got to I got to really dig deep in the uh, cerebral cortex to, to figure out birthdays. But um, but I do appreciate it. I am now 24 years old, which. Hearing hearing myself say 24 versus 23 is a world of difference. Like 24 in my brain is 
really close to 25, which is close to 30, which at that point you might as well just hang them up and life is over. So I am quarter 24. life crisis coming, Rob. Yeah, quarter life crisis is coming up. But um, I spent my birthday on a bus from Marquette. I'm coming back with the hockey team from the UP. Um, you know what though? It was nice because I, it, it was, I needed that time. Like, cause when you're getting flooded with texts and phone calls and, and Facebook posts, you need that, that time to mentally organize everything. So I, I'm glad I wasn't like out and about doing stuff because then you're, you're missing things and whatnot. And I'm a big, if someone's going to take the time to comment, happy birthday on your Facebook wall, a like is not sufficient enough. You respond. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have your like five responses in the bank. So great birthday to not get any presents for my birthday. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but a little, little rattled. And you kind of, uh, that's a January birthday's tough because you got Christmas right there. Yep. Oh, I try I know it. My mom, I've already gotten the excuse. The excuse train has already been circling around the household of, well, you know, we're still going to take some, some gifts back for you from Christmas. And maybe you can pick out another pair of pants and, we got to order stuff. I get it, you know, but it's it, it's nice to on your birthday, maybe open up a gift or two, you know, a gift well, card, a card, time? something, nothing. Ambushed. I feel like after I mean, TV can hop in here, too. I feel like I mean, for me, at least after I was like 12, it was like Christmas. I still got like gifts and stuff. But after that, like birthday, it's just like here's like a nice like golf shirt or something. Know what I mean, it was like we're not going overboard for your birthday anymore. Yep. No, I, I'm fine with it, but you know, I don't, I'm not expecting like a party or anything. I, I am still waiting on, I'd like to go out to dinner. Maybe that would be nice. That's a that, nice thing. No, that is do. something I always, we had Coney, we had takeout Coney for, uh, well, I didn't I mean, even finish my meal. Chicken finger pita. No, that's usually my go-to that Nakoni, the chicken finger pita and Nakoni with everything. I went, uh, omelet. I had an omelet. A lot of it too. We got off the bus. Everyone was exhausted. No one wanted to go out to eat. I get it. It's not all about me. Well, it is about me. It's my birthday, but Whatever. We had cake. Well, it finish, is about finish the last yeah. finish the last slice of cake tonight. Uh, and diet starts Monday. So to be honest, though, do you go. like I hate to be like the humble guy out of us three, but like I hate <laughs> when people like I truly do, like for your birthday or something like that. Like, hey man, like let's do something. Like, no, nah, I I mean we can just go out and just have fun. Like, I doesn't need to be weird well i don't even have people that do that like i that's no, but what like, i got me either to be honest I yeah like no one's like i hey, see i'm i'm the but guy that's what i'm saying though do you want that like bigot like sure yeah why not i'm the guy in the friend group that's always like hey man like let's let's go out or i'm gonna make plans like i you know when it's your birthday i, I shouldn't have to pull teeth to get people to like, hey let's go out and, and recognize it's my birthday you know and i don't get that which is fine i'm always you know i'm more of a giver that's how it's how I am. I've, <laughs> I, I've learned to deal with that. So I'm always the guy where it's like, Hey, it's, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday. Let's go up to, let's go up to East Lansing and visit them, you know, let unprovoked. I'll make the dinner res. I got the cake, you know, I'm bringing the beers. Like it's all taken care just of. Just Venmo me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even ask for it. I just, whatever. I'm a people person and whatever, but 24 years of age. Good Team to see player. another year. Blast. Team player. Hey, it's your Kobe year. No, it's your Miggy Kobe year. year your Miggy year. year. Pew Suter year. Whatever you want to call it. Amani Oruwariye. Oruwariye year. Whatever. Um, <laughs> all right. So, hey, we do have a, a, a pretty decent amount of uh, of sports to bite off here in the Detroit world of sports. 
Um, obviously, Major League Baseball, all things are quiet on that front. I guess they're meeting and trying. I don't even know how it works. I don't know what's being locked out, why, who, who has the key, what the door looks like. I got no idea. Um, but but uh, no Tigers this week per usual. Um, we will talk Pistons. We will talk Red Wings. We will talk Lions, um, depending on our time here. I know there's a lot to – I feel like – See, with the Lions this year, I have this feeling that we're going to be doing like a season wrap up that's going to expand or extend a couple of weeks just from, you know, takeaways from this year. We obviously have the draft to look at. The Lions are coaching in the senior bowl, which I guess means something. It doesn't It always, you know, I guess it doesn't hurt um, to have the Lions staff taking a closer look at a bunch of seniors that are coming out this year. Um, but without further ado, let's jump right into it. We'll start with the uh, Detroit Pistons. Um, Trenton Collins, obviously you guys can drive on this one. The big news to announce, uh, Bull Bull. And yes, that is a, a human being. And that is a first and a last name. Son Bull, of Manute. Bull, oh yeah, son of Manute <laughs> coming over from the Denver Nuggets, correct? Yeah. Um, Rodney Magruder and a future second round pick of some sort. Um, we can also talk about the fact that Pistons did win a game, uh, beating the Utah Jazz. I know they've won guy. four games. They've won four games since we last recorded. Yeah, they've they actually really? played a lot better. So yes, what do they have? I, Eight wins now. I saw them. They got get nine. Absolutely... They have nine. I've got a little spiel for the Pistons. I saw but... them get absolutely boat raced by Chicago last yesterday. Night. Was embarrassing, but whatever. So, move on. Um, yeah, whatever way you guys want to attack it, we can talk the trade. We can talk. Uh, the team, whatnot. I also do want to get your guys' thoughts on some comments that came across from, I believe it was Shaq and Charles Barkley, essentially just commenting on how not only are the Pistons bad, but it looks like they don't try at all, which I don't know if that has any weight to it, if I'm, re- if I'm even quoting uh, what was said properly. But I would like to hear your thoughts on it, and then we can move into, uh, we can move into some other stuff. I've had to become untapped to the national Pistons media coverage because it just is, like, nauseating. And partially because these reporters are right and these analysts are right. Like the team is miserable to watch, but Collins, I've got like a little quick recap of the last couple of weeks. I mean, we haven't recorded since before January, January 1st. This is our first episode of 2022. Is it really? So, yeah. Oh God. The 30th. The 30th Please was our last uh, episode. Cause it was the we day suck. before the peach bowl. Remember? Yes. Yes. We suck. Sorry. Yeah, no. So we're good, but obviously it's been a minute since we last talked to our wonderful listeners. We talk all the time, us three. But uh, the Pistons picked up a few wins since then. They opened 2022, 2-0, wins over the Spurs in overtime, and the Bucks on the road, which was a fantastic win. Uh, then they later got back-to-back wins over the Magic and the Jazz. So they're now 9-31, and which is now good for second worst in the Eastern Conference, 14th. Uh, Cade had a career-high 29 versus Utah, took over the game with 15 points in the third, Pretty much put the Pistons in position to win. He's been great. Aside from uh, these team-wide stinkers in Chicago and against Memphis, I mean, he's been great. He's up to 15.5 points, 5.5 rebounds. That was ugly, too. This team, man, this Pistons team, they'll just have one out of every eight where they just get beat by 50. But Cade is is averaging 15, 6, and 5 right now. So, I mean, I will definitely take that. I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year as the year progresses and stuff. But – Sadiq Bay has been another somewhat big story, I guess. He was your one starter who wasn't hit with COVID a couple of weeks ago. So he kind of took advantage from there, and ex- he's expanded his role a little bit, and he's looked great since. He had a career-high 34 in the win over the Bucks, and he's up to 15.5 points a game this season after he was at 12 just a month ago. So he, his production's going up. And lastly, 
Uh, Ham- Hamadou Diallo has been awesome. I don't know, Counts, if you've been tapped into it much, but I think the Pistons need to try to f- – I okay, I think the Pistons need to trade Grant so that's going to open up a starting spot, and I think that it belongs to Diallo. Like, I just think that he's been that good, and he's played that well in this opportunity he's gotten. And, you know, the, the deadline is February 10th, the trade deadline this year. But I would just – I would like to see Grant go, and you get a couple picks maybe, get a couple couple more young players, and you let Diallo start. He's earned it. He – then by him to Diallo is – he is a guy – he is weird because when you say when you talk about guys who like can't create for themselves or something like that, you usually talk about a guy who's a shooter. He's not really like that, but he's like, and especially how the Pistons kind of play, he really he kind of plays well off of Kate. He's a good cutter and super, super uber athletic. So I like the idea of him being in the lineup more often with um with Cade in a starting capacity, but I don't, he just seems like a guy to be honest for me, who's just like everyday NBA at more than any other league in the world. Like guys who I don't think necessarily are like playoff players in the NBA can produce at a very high level. And I think he is one of those guys. I think he'd be a nice contributor. He has a, I mean, so athletic that you, if you can figure out a, like a, way you incorporated him into the game it's gonna work out but I looking at I, I I'm glad you brought up Sadiq because we've been very disappointed with the way he's played so far and you're right the COVID thing kind of helped him because it kind of made him more assertive and even if he was struggling to keep shooting and ever since like that happened he has looked a ton better jump shot doesn't look like sometimes he was really hesitant I felt with a lot of catch and shoot, he hasn't really been that way recently. Um, but like you said, I the thing about this team is we've been talking about the depth is so bad on this team. Yeah, and you said you like kind of the thing about it. I, I I mean we can talk about like what Chuck and them said. I don't think they watch the Pistons to be honest. That's what I'm saying. I, watch I just Pistons, I don't pay attention to it. I. I and I don't think Chuck and Chad will watch like half the league, but that's a, that's why inside the NBA is hilarious. Um, but they they I don't I'll never say like they don't play hard. I just there's just some nights where they are literally down they're down twenty up, which I that's where I'll agree with Chuck and stuff like that. But it is not like on a night to night basis where I noticeably know that's like. There was nice where I noticeably know Andre Drummond was just not trying. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is going to be an Andre game where he has like 12 and 10 and does absolutely nothing on both sides of the ball. Like, I don't necessarily see that, but I like, I think it's more of an indictment on the NBA. Like, some teams, like, you go down 20, it's like, okay, we're packing it in. Yeah. And especially with the yeah. Pistons who are like, and someone could argue, wow, I feel like in the NBA, like, if 20 point lead's not safe, the Pistons don't have the firepower offensively to do that. So, I, I, I don't really credit those comments from them because I actually don't think they watch a consistent amount. So I, I've actually watched the Pistons the last couple of weeks more than I have. And I think the most encouraging thing that I've seen is I think Cade is noticeably like if you get – and we've already talked – like I think Cade looks so good right now. Yeah. Dude, and he, I, and I mean, he, he, took over, two- he took over that Utah game like crazy. He's just 
he's so he's a really smart basketball player. And I, I and I we've already talked about it. I he just got that that it thing, and people are like, if he was this good, or why is it why are people comparing him to Luca or stuff like that? I, I wouldn't even compare him to Luca because I think Kate Cunningham, I think the one thing with Luca Gar uh not Luca Garza, why did I say that? Luca Doncic <laughs> is that he's so ball dominant and stuff. Kate's not really like that. He has like flashes and high pick and roll where he's kind of like that, but he likes moving the ball. That's when you said Hamadou, like he finds the cutters. He he he'll screen for someone else. He, he's a good rebounder. So like I don't like that comparison, but when you see him in high pick and roll, you're like, oh, I see that. I I, I see that on the offensive side of the basketball. I think Kate Cunningham is really fun to play with. And, and I, I like to give Bill Simmons a lot of shit, but I love Bill Simmons. Like I listen to his podcast all the time. And I think one of the like the key things that he always says is that it there's like a thing in someone who's played basketball in their life. You like playing with someone who is just like this is not all about me. I'm going to get everyone else involved, but I'm going to do it in a winning fashion. It's not here. It's a me, me, me thing trying to get. No, it's just in the flow of the game. So I, I, I've from a team oriented thing. I think Kate is uh, going to be a fantastic number one. Once they figure out the pieces around them and the Pistons, like we're, we're going to talk about like lottery options as we get further down, like the rabbit hole with this team. But I just, I, I, Kate Cunningham is, I think, a really, really like, if you've watched the Pistons this year, they've been awful, but I'm not concerned one bit in this rebuild, just the fact that I think Kate Cunningham is a bit like a winning, winning player. So, that's yeah. All and I when you, when you wrap your head around, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that uh, Killian's probably more of a project and you adjust your mindset there, and it's like he's been better as of late. Sadiq's picked it up. Stewart is what he is. And that's why I, I, that brings up my next point, which is basically, and I'll make this quick, but my one gripe with the team is that Trey Lyles and Corey Joseph just continue to get too many minutes. I say it every fucking week on this podcast. Like, it's just, it's nauseating, uh, like particularly Trey Lyles. He went nuts in the win over the Magic, but the Pistons absolutely, absolutely could have won that game with Trey Lyles getting zero minutes because there is no reason that Isaiah Stewart should sit the final 17 minutes of any game. And if there is a reason, it sure as hell isn't, oh, we got to give Trey Lyles some more runs. So that just is annoying. I'm, I'm so sick of that. Like, And the last thing is that I think Killian Hayes, to, to the Corey Joseph point, I think Killian Hayes or Cade needs to be on the floor at all times running the offense. Those are your oh, two point guards. I, that dude, I, Killian. I can't stand Kojo. Killian can't like I don't like Corey Joseph and whatever. I would honestly rather see Saban run the offense sometimes than Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes has I like I I I'm not even gonna say I like Killian Hayes. I honestly, to be fair, I don't believe in him. To be honest, he has like no right hand. I've said this for like ever, and I know he's had some like issues with like his hand. He is just such a one-dimensional player offensively, and he plays hard. So I'm not gonna give him a bunch of shit. And he's not played a lot of NBA games, super young. I'm not giving up on him. I've said this a million times. He's more of a project than what I think a lot of people expected on the offensive side of the floor. He can defend. He's a little bit bigger than I thought. But offensively, he is just so one-track minded. It's a pick and roll. If the roller is not there and he can't get to the bucket, kick out the – he'll just sit in the corner. And then if he gets it, maybe a corner throw. I, I just – 
he, I, I don't need to see him with the basketball all the time. I honestly, I think Saban does a better job when he runs the point than Killian. I don't think that's a hot take. No, it's not. And ultimately, dude, I kind of agree with you because I would like Cade to be getting the majority of the point guard minutes as it is. But I'm just saying I would rather have Killian develop a little bit than give Corey Joseph, who's not even going to be on the team next year, give him like 25 minutes. It makes no sense to me. And it's that's it, though. Other than that, I mean, we can talk about the bull bull trade real quick. But, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't hate the bull bull deal. I don't have any reason to not like it. It's kind of a who says no scenario like. He wasn't getting any run in Denver. He was only playing six minutes a game. He plays behind Jokic, you know? So, and then conversely, Rodney Magruder doesn't ever play here. And you gave up a second round pick, but it was the worst pick of the four picks you got from the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, I, I don't know if it was the Bruce Brown deal or the Sadiq Bay, something with the draft last year, whatever. You. You, yeah, Seiko, you had four picks from Brooklyn and that was the lowest one that you gave up along with Rodney Magruder. For a guy in Bull Bull who was like, he was supposed to be a first round guy a couple of years ago. Some were saying he was going to be lottery even. He dropped all the way to 44th overall, but he's still 22 years old. He's got upside. You bring in another young guy, you match him up with his timeline with these, you know, this young core. And he's been, what he is, is he's basically a rim protector, obviously, he's seven foot three. So I just think that's nice as a backup for Stewart, who obviously is six eight, a much shorter center. So it's just, it's kind of a why not thing. Take a flyer. You've done it with guys like Dennis Smith Jr. And it didn't really pan out. Okay, whatever. No harm, no foul. I Bull Bull, I think with him, it's he's really skilled offensively and was a guy who the reason he went so late in the draft is he had really bad medicals coming out of Oregon and they just whatever. He has really played. So I, I'm I'm not gonna act like this is a big deal. So I haven't seen him play extended minutes. I like the idea of Pistons like, hey. You basically have a half-year trial. He's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. If you're good, we'll sign you. That's what they kind of did with Hamadou. So I, I I don't hate the philosophy, but I'm not going to act like I'm jumping up and down because this guy hasn't actually shown anything tangible in the NBA. Rabs? I don't really have much to add. Trent was Trent was eating his dinner, so that yeah. Was sorry, crazy. I was chewing. I would have said I'm done. I'm I'm bull I'm totally bull bull is cool. How about that? I don't know. Yeah, who that's a sweet name. Rodney, I know. I don't know who the fuck Rodney Magruder is. I don't give a shit. I'm glad he's gone. Sound like Draymond Green. Yeah, you remember that? That was so funny. No, what about he basically him? like shit on Rodney Magruder for like no reason? Like Rodney yeah. Magruder was just like mind his own business, being like a vat like. Protecting one of his guys, and then Draymond's like, "That guy's a bum," like for no reason. What well, I don't, I just, I, I'm sorry, guys, and I, I listen to you guys every week. Obviously, when it comes to piston stuff, you guys take over much more than much more than I do. But um, the bull bull trade to me is cool for the sake of. I remember when, like you said, Collins in the draft. I remember him slipping because I think he was hurt. Like, bad feet. Like, yeah, while the draft, I mean, seven foot three, I'd have bad feet too. Um, but I do like the thought process of taking a young guy who really doesn't get a chance. I mean, that's kind of what this Pistons roster is comprised of, right? Like your Josh Jacksons of the world, like guys who didn't get a lot of run with their teams trying to give them an opportunity. So that's that's all fine and well. I'm just telling you guys, like, I don't know. I don't know what happened from the end of last year going into this year because this team, like, it, it is the same record they had. Last year, at this point of the season, did the they way. really? Well, last year yeah. they must have finished really strong. That's what stuck out in my in my mind. No, but, they just beat really good teams. Okay, then that's what it is. I just, I, I, if if you guys want to talk about like 
that's everyone's favorite thing to do in Detroit is which team is closest, which team is for the Detroit Pistons are so far away from ever competing for anything at all. It's almost like not even like I'd rather talk I, about. I just I disagree with that. Like two I just, Lions games this year. I want to. Yeah, I want to say Rams like, paid. I just watched them lose yes. by like fifty points. And they Rams, the basketball is so different. Attempts. Basketball is so different. Like Cade Cunningham next year is going to average twenty five and eight, and like this team is going to come. I promise you, it doesn't matter because they're going to add another they're gonna, lottery. Pick. They're getting another yeah. top pick, another top three pick probably. So Hopefully. it's like. So it, just the way the NBA works, dude, we see it every year. There's like, like the Grizzlies right now. Like they were a play-in team last year, and the year before that, they sucked. But you know what? The last five years, they've drafted Jaron Jackson. Well, no, Rabs is right. Rabs is right. The Pistons are definitely farther away. But like that idea that it's going to be like a million, it's a million years away, I don't see that. Because if you get good draft luck and you're in the top three again, you're going to have an opportunity to draft a player that luckily for the Pistons this year, all three of the guys at the top of the draft, I mean, we're going to talk about this, fit their needs. So, it, like, I don't know, it'll work out. But, Rabs, I'm actually – I hate to do this segue for you. I'm excited to talk about the Red Wings with you because I actually have Ooh. a take about this whole Lindstrom thing. I watched the game last night. I have that. But go ahead, Rabs. I couldn't watch the game last night because I don't have fucking ESPN+. Plus, and God forbid I can watch the team that plays 30 minutes from my house on – my my cable channels. That's a story for another day. Can't um, fork I, over five bucks, Rabs. I well, I I think I've told you guys this before. It's complicated because my mom has the bundle with the Disney Plus. So if I want to use ESPN Plus, I got to use my mom's thing. But all my fantasy stuff's on my account, so it's a there's a lot of a wires crossed that I got to figure out. I haven't had time to sit down Not, and you, do it. You don't have it set up on like the TV, like the smart TV. No, I no, I don't even know. We have the smart TV in the living room. Usually my dad's in there watching like MASH, so I don't even bother even <laughs> trying. So, um, but I guess, Colin, since you alluded to it before we talk about the games, um, we can get into perhaps the biggest news. I know I, I there cannot be a single person on the planet that is not excited about this. Nicholas Lidstrom returns to Detroit. Um, working under Steve Eiserman's tutelage as vice president of hockey operations. Um, one of those things like the, the Red Wings, and this is like one of the things I love about the Red Wings, and especially once since Steve Eiserman has come back with just the amount of like household names that you still have in the organization, you know, like your Drapers, your Yuri Fishers. Um, I know Sean Horkoff never played for the Red Wings, but um, as the, I think he's the director of player development or something, but there's, you have, um, these household names, ex-NHLers, and more importantly, and Nicholas Cronwell, they had another of guys that are part of the organization um, and part of this new regime with Steve Eiserman. And, and for me, I think it says a lot about your, your organization and the history and culture of this, of this team. And, you know, people, people will dog the wings every now and then for like, oh yeah, like this, you know, this isn't hockey town, blah, blah, blah. Well, you, you, you see what has been created here and what's kind of coming back to life with Steve Eiserman back at the helm um, here in Detroit. So very exciting to have Nicholas Lidstrom back. Uh, I think the biggest thing I know he might've been a part of the wings organization for a hot minute once he retired. Um, but I know he went back to Sweden to be with family and whatnot, and he's got kids he was still scouting playing. for them. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of like what his involvement was since he stepped away, but I mean, vice president of hockey operations, like he is, he is all the way back. And something came out today in the media too about 
Eiserman making some comments, opening the door for Zetterberg to come back, uh, which again, if, if that were the case, I mean, I, I, who, who would, who would argue with that move as well? Um, but Lidstrom's back in the fold, which is awesome just for the sake of, you know, this is another guy who, you know, just talk about from a playing standpoint and, and being, being another voice to help mentor these, these young defensemen and, and the team as a whole, um, but I just think his professionalism and the way he can, you know, that, that credibility that he has in building relationships with, with young players and free agents and in, in his, you know, just how, how, I mean, he's a hall of famer, right? So like the guy knows the game, he knows how to play the game. He was a part of the same teams that Steve Eiserman was on when they were successful and winning. And so he's got a taste of the recipe of, of what it takes. And I think that him and Stevie are probably on the same page as far as what needs to happen here in Detroit to make this team a legitimate contender. So um, tremendous to have him back. Um, Kyle, I don't know if your take was related to Lidstrom um, coming back. Yes, or... it was. All right, let's hear it. I think it's like it, it. I think in hockey more than any other sport. I mean, you had to play the game to get positions like this. You usually don't have like the baseball analytic guys or stuff like that. A lot of like former players did these positions. So I, I know this is going to sound like, say, every successful GM in NHL probably has some sort of background of, like, playing in NHL. But, like, I love Nick Lidstrom. Probably, like, my favorite – I don't know if he's my favorite win, but he's up there. I, ju- I just love – it's not even, like, a criticism, but, like, people acting like, say, wow, this is huge. This is massive. He hasn't done this ever. <laughs> Like he's never like he might be awesome at it. He probably is gonna be awesome at it because he's a, one of those people who's just awesome at everything he does. And I love having former players like that. I think that does matter, especially when you talk about like free agents. I think the one thing when you bring back guys like like Iserman and Lidstrom, I think you do kind of bring back that sense of like, oh, this is like kind of a family atmosphere. People love like being in Detroit. Like I I get that in the free agent aspect. But people acting like this is like this is a game changer. It's not like when you hire like a D coordinator at a college football like town who like recruits the state of like Georgia. You know what I mean? I, it's just I, I I love the move. I love Nick Lidstrom, but I, I I love like the general Twitter reaction. It's like this is huge. I don't think it's necessarily huge. I'm gonna be honest. I think it's just a marginal move. I'm happy to have him in an organization. It's nice. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I get where you're coming from, from the standpoint of like, yes, Nick Lidstrom has never done this job before. So it's not like you're getting some proven home run hire of like, oh, Nick Lidstrom was the V. Like when, when Iserman came over, you're like, yes. this is like, yes. like, obviously, if Steve Iserman wasn't who didn't mean what he does to Detroit, objectively, when Steve Iserman comes to Detroit, you're like, this is a guy that essentially built one of a, a dynasty in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, this is a guy that knows what he's doing. So to that point, I understand where you're coming from. I just think, as you kind of alluded to, a, a big part of a big part of hockey is like the culture, the, the culture within an organization for any team in any sport is huge. But hockey, you know, it's a bit of an old boys club. And, you know, as you said, Collins, when you have like the Jimmy Devilanos of the world and, you know, now you add Iserman and you add Lidstrom and you add Vanderbeek and, and like all in Cronwall still with the organization and Draper, I just think it gives your team much more credibility. And I think you have more more eyes and more quality eyes on the roster and on free agents and on 
um, junior players when it comes to scouting and drafting. So, um, you know, to me, VP of, of, of hockey operations, like I think that Nick Lindstrom is going to have his hand in the business side of things um, along, you know, just aside from, from the scouting and, and, you know, looking to, um, to have hands in player personnel. Like I would assume that that job title comes with a bit more that, Again, Nicholas Lindstrom's never held the desk job, so it's that's so I, you know, I just think that based on his personality and his characteristics, he'll he'll be absolutely fine at what you need him to do. I think the plus side is as I as I've you know continue to talk in circles about is just like the guy played here, he gets it, he's you know he he knows what has to be built and what needs to be in place to have a successful organization, and now he's a part of it. So you know if they want to go get. Datsuk and Zetterberg and whoever, I mean, these are guys that the Eiserman has played with and that knows. So uh, he's not, I, he's not in the business of hiring people just for the sake of hiring people. So, um, you know, and oh, obviously I, Nick, I, Nick Lidstrom has tapped into Sweden more so than anyone else maybe on the planet when it comes to hockey. So. Well, what's the troll? I just, I just want like, imagine if the Lions were like Calvin's or GM, people would be <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. I, I just said it's. I'm just making an observation. I don't even have a take yet. Yeah, I just said it's funny. And it's hockey is just like one of those sports. It's just like oh, you get this guy in the building, you gotta. So right. <laughs> I, I just love it. It's yeah, so and funny. it's and it's it's fair. But um, I guess looking at the team. Um, so yeah, I know we. I guess we hadn't talked since uh, December 30th. Um, the Wings have their annual uh, uh, New Year's Eve game against Washington. Washington comes to town. They take that one three to one. Um, and they go on to drop one to Boston, five to one at home. They come back and uh, beat the Sharks up pretty badly, six to two. Um, and they go on their bit of a, uh, their West Coast swing. They head out to California and stop me if you didn't see this one coming. But four nothing to the Kings, four three to the Ducks in a shootout, three to two to the Sharks in overtime yesterday. What a bad and- OT too. My buddy texted me, he goes, did you just see the goal they lost in an OT? I didn't. I re I went back and watched it. My God. Well, I saw bits and pieces of the Kings and I saw bits and pieces of the Ducks. I did not get to watch the Sharks game again because it was on ESPN Plus and it just I it's amazing how the NHL is trying to grow the game yet as the years go on it becomes more and more inaccessible to watch. So, beside the point, this the story with this team um, and they they come back tomorrow. They play the Jets at home. They'll see the Sabers at home on Saturday and they go back on the road for one against the Sabers. Um, the, the story with this team is just how bad they are on the road. Like it, it's, I mean, I think that the Kings game, the Kings game, I'm, I'm pretty sure after the first period, they were being outshot 27 to one, like just, just some of the most unheard of unacceptable shit you've ever seen. And it's been like this all season long and the ducks, like, and to give, to give these teams their due, like, people came into this year thinking the Kings were going to be kind of a lay down team. They've, you know, they have some, some young pieces in place and they've been playing decent hockey. Um, The ducks have been playing really well as of late. Obviously Trevor Zegers is the name over there that everyone's looking at to compete with cider and and Raymond for the Calder trophy this year. Um, That's a game. The wings, you know, again, it comes down to a shootout. The wings could easily win that one. Um, and the Sharks, too, 3-2 in overtime. So, at the very least, you're getting points on this little bit of a West Coast swing, which is which is great. Like, it's it's not easy to win on the road in the NHL. Um, it, it, so, that's, that's all fine. But 
we, we talk about this team as like, okay, what's the ceiling? And, and I feel like every time that we talk about the wings, the comments come up of like, they, like they could make the playoffs. Like they're up, I just don't, they, they're so bad on the road and, and the schedule is only going to get tougher and tougher. And you, you cannot survive in this league if you can't win out of your own building. And to the Wings' credit, they're great at home. They dropped one. They, they dropped the two games of the Caps and the Bruins. And, like, the writing was kind of on the wall. of Like, okay, they're due to smack someone at home. They smacked the Sharks before going on the road. And between the Jets and the Sabres games um, coming up here at LCA, history will tell you that they're going to win one, if not both of those games. Like, that's – it's pretty much a given. Um, but – with that being said, it, I, I don't know if it's in, in granted you lose Dylan Larkin. I think during the ducks game, cause he didn't play against the sharks, Tyler Bertuzzi has been banged up a bit. Um, so, you know, you, you have to, and I cannot understate when Dylan Larkin is not on that first line, the team is completely different. Like when Robbie Fabry centering that first line, it is not, it is not the same team as when Dylan Larkin is there. So people can say whatever they want about Dylan Larkin and how good he actually is. Well, he's a point per game player right now. And, and, you he's know, been I, great this year. He has, he has, he really has. And I'm, and I'll, I'll get to like individuals and in, in stats in a minute, but um, so you take that into account, but they've just been bad, man, like on the road. And, and, and the, the great thing about the wings this year, that's different is that they're winning on winning at home and, and defending home ice, because if they weren't, we're talking about the pretty much we're at the same place we were last year. I mean, Alex and sees 40 shots last night, uh, against the sharks, the wings only put 19 shots on Aiden Hill, um, I'll have to go back to these past games too with like the ducks and whatnot, as I'm trying to pull up some stats here, they put 27 or the, the wings face 27 shots against the ducks. They get 36 on that. And that one, again, that, that kid had the, uh, that was his first career start Doe style or whatever his name is for the ducks. So, um, I, I have some like little advanced stats here that that should be no surprise to anyone. I mean, when, when, when the wings are getting outshot by opponents, they're 17, 12, or they're seven, 12 and three overall, when their opponents score first, they're six, 12, and three. And on the road, when the opponents score first, they're one, nine, and two. So it just goes to show the importance. And I'd, I'd love to see where that ranks amongst other teams in the league. But, you know, the, the, the wings, like really their priority needs to be is putting the first puck in the net on the road because they just come out. They always seem to come out slow. They always seem to be playing catch up the whole game. And, you know, I would, I would have to go back and, and look at what those stats are as far as what their record is on the road versus at home, but it's not good. Um, and then if you want to dig a little deeper and, and this is kind of getting to the spot where, you know, w- what have been the problems of this team, the glaring issues Well, they let in a lot of goals this year, uh, 125 goals against 101 goals for their goals against is, is 28th out of 32 teams and their goals for is 19th out of, out of 32 teams. So at least go like, at least they're putting the puck in the net. I feel like at a bit better of a pace than last year. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were looking at these other lines of like, wow, they're getting scoring contributions from that middle six, from that bottom six. Um, you know, obviously that first line carries the load, but as time has gone on and, you know, you've had little hot spurts of Vladislav Nemesnikov has looked good. Uh, Michael Rasmussen's looked good in some spots, uh, uh, but, but now that. it's, well, I'm saying from a, from a production standpoint, it, you know, he's got he has 12 points in 35 games. And I don't know when his last point was, Rasmussen. I mean, he's he's obviously leveled off a bit and, and everyone has like Robbie Fabry's leveled off a bit. Pew Suter, who got, you know, caught caught fire for a little bit of time is is right. You know, kind of 
water finds its level with him. So, you know, we're, we're kind of back to, to trying to get some other lines going here. And, you know, I, as far as, as, as far as the lineup is concerned, um, I at least love how Giovanni Smith is getting to play, you know, pretty much every night now. And I, I feel like the last handful of games, he's like had a fight in every single game, which is great. Yeah. Like to have a sandpaper guy like that playing in your bottom six. And Giovanni Smith is a guy that can play with skill, like relatively high draft pick. Um, you know, he's in the AHL and in his junior career, he, you know, he's, he's got some skill there. He's not just this, you know, grinder brood of a guy that's just out there to, you know, block shots and eat minutes and, and whatnot. I and mean, to have a guy like that that stands up for his teammates and is willing to answer the bell is, is huge. Um, so I appreciate the fact that he's in the mix more and he's even getting, you know, upwards of, of second line minutes every now and then um, on that line with, you know, usually it's Fabry and Zadina or if it's Suter and Zadina, um, whoever that may be. Um, they've with some injuries and some guys being out, they've, they've bounced Michael Rasmussen around from the center to the wing and they're really trying to find a spot for him and, and, and where he fits into this, into this team. Um, you know, and then from, from that standpoint too, like we can talk all day about a guy like Rasmussen and a guy like Zadina. Um, I think two guys that have been really disappointing for Red Wings fans. And I, I totally hear you. Um, I mean, and, and now like if, if we're going to look at individual players, like for me, I mean, you look at that top line, right? So you have Dylan Larkin's got 32 points in 32 games. He's a plus three. Lucas Raymond, 30 points in 37 games. He's a plus one. Tyler Bertuzzi has got is a plus 12, 28 points in 29 games. So, you know, to me, I, 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 that you have to understand how good that first line has been and not even from a production standpoint, but I just read off to you their plus minus for a team that's 28th in goals against. And they're all, you know, they all have plus ratings and Bertuzzi being a plus 12 on this team is, is impressive as it is. But as we go down the list here, like Robbie Fabry, minus 14, Michael Rasmussen, minus 11, Zadina, minus 13, Nick Letty, minus 16, Adam Ernie, minus 14. So, excuse me, as I'm fighting a cold for the 15th time this year. Um, you know, those, those are things to me that like, it's, it's, it's kind of telling your whole story um, for, for your team as, as a whole, like the first line's carrying the load and we're right back to where we were last year where we're looking down the, the lineup and going like, okay, like who, who can we rely on here to put the puck in the net when the first line's not going and you know, who's, who's defensively responsible and, Zadina and Rasmussen are two guys that uh, that I think are disappointing a lot of fans because you're expecting more point production at the very least expecting like, Hey, like let's play some defensive hockey and, and show us something. And, you know, wings fans, I think are justified in their, in their opinion of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hey, we come back home, uh, you get two games here and hopefully can get back on track. But as I said, guys, like if we're talking playoffs here, the play on the road's got to pick up immensely. And, um, you know, I don't know what the answer for that is. There could be a million things contributing to that as far as their preparation. Are they getting good sleep? Who knows? Um, but not greater away from LCA. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I have nothing more to say. I just, what's all I saw Rabs actually his name. I went to it. I mean, they just, there's just some games they're very, and, and like you said, they're a young team and they they're horrible on the road. There's just some games just immediately you're like, oh, they don't have it. It's yeah. like, and it's just like this sucks. This isn't gonna be fun to watch. And I've said it since the beginning of the year. I just don't think they have enough help on the back end to provide some of these young forwards. And they're a. To be fair though, they are getting 
some relief coming with, I mean, it, it, he's coming back like this week, right? Who? The guy we did trade from the Capitals. I can't. Oh, Verona? Yeah, Verona's coming back like this week, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I don't, I, if, if that's his timeline, that's news to me. I know I saw a video of him skating. So I, February was like the, what it's, what's been talked about for a while with him. But yeah, I mean, talk about a guy to bolster your top six. Like that's where, you know, we're going to see, is he going to play on that first line now? Or is it going to be, you know, let's keep Bertuzzi, Larkin, and uh, Raymond together and find a different spot for him. So that'll help tremendously as far as, you know, scoring production goes. And um, yeah, Stetcher's still out. Mitchell Stevens still out. So yeah, I don't know, Collins, but but like you said, some some nights they have it, some nights they don't, and that's it's been a criticism of this team for a while now, as far as that finding that consistency, and it's the hardest thing to do in sports, let alone hockey, is finding your best on every given night when guys are banged up and whatnot. So um, the good thing is, you know, guys like I mentioned, your Zadinas and your Rasmussens, not necessarily they're tied to Iserman. So you know, if if he doesn't feel like there's a spot for him, and I would not. You know, I would understand where he's coming from. Then, then they move on. Joe Valeno is is starting to get more and more time here, and unfortunately for him, just based on what they have up front, like they're he's kind of getting buried and in, in the bottom six here. And I'd like to see where what he can do um, when playing with guys that have a bit more of an upside as far as skill level is concerned. But you know, I understand that he still has a long ways to go in his play and. Um, you know, I, I would just like to see if, if you give him second line minutes consistently what he can do, because that's another guy who I think like has that bigger frame like Michael Rasmussen does. But I think his offensive upside is a lot higher and he's a lot of he's a much better skater than Michael Rasmussen is. So still trying to figure some things out. But, you know, at the very least here, we're talking about a wings team that is very, very good at home, um, that is capable of playing much better hockey than they ever were last year. And so. Um, I think you have a lot to be happy with if you're a Wings fan, but back on the ice uh, tomorrow against uh, Winnipeg, right? Who, uh, you know, Winnipeg is going through a coaching change. Uh, Paul Maurice left the team a couple weeks ago. Um, always a strong team. I assume if, if Connor Hellebuck is healthy, you'll probably see him in that um, Western Michigan, not Western Michigan, a uh, Wald Lake Western or maybe Northern Wald Lake Western or Wald Lake Northern alone <laughs> and Connor Hellebuck. One, one of those, two. one of those, hosts. one of the two. So cool stuff. That's my wings. Cool. I got nothing. Should we talk about the Lions? Because I'm already feeling Trent yep. having ahead, some. Trent, open it up. Trent probably has some well, preposterous takes, and I need to get, hear them. So the thing is, is yeah, I'm, I, I, they finished the season great. We haven't talked. <clears throat> excuse me. We haven't talked since. I don't. I don't. I can't even remember. I. It was. Whatever. We talked. Didn't talk about the Seahawks game. Didn't talk about the Packers game. Don't really have to. Okay. I did go to the Packers game. It was a great way to end the season. My brother Brock and I went down during warmups and hazed the shit out of Aaron Rodgers. That was a lot of fun. He looked at us, he acknowledged us, and he moved on. So that was fun. Um, got yelled at by a Packers mom. That game was a blur. Great win. Great win to end the season. Excellent little exclamation point. 3-12-1 is not good, and everyone knows that. But you'd kind of rather get those three wins at the time you did than have them be at the beginning of the season and then completely tailspin the rest of the season. So, like, you know, if the Lions start 3-0 and finish 3-12-1, then Dan Campbell might have been fired. Who knows? 
the schedule wasn't possibly tough, especially with the roster you've got. So I think the three wins and the tie were impressive from that standpoint, given that they came against two playoff teams and another division rival in Minnesota. Um, the Steelers, who you tied, for what it's worth, are also a playoff team. The biggest story of the season was Dan Campbell and Jared Goff flipping the script. So I think they deserve credit. Um, obviously, we all had our questions about both of them, and we still do. But the results got much better as the season wore on. So first, I want to talk about Dan Campbell real quick. He got made fun of for his meathead tendencies, the whole bite the kneecap thing, even before the season began. Um, and we saw this team adopt that mindset. I guess that would be to his credit. Um, they, the team never lost uh, what was supposed to be. Okay. The team never lost a game other than probably two of them that like they were supposed to win. If, if that makes sense. I, that doesn't make sense. Whatever. I'm going to move on. Um, were they favored in one game this year? Trying no, to think about that. no, but yeah. I'm just saying like, I think bears bears at home on Thanksgiving. That's a game that maybe should have won, you know, whatever. Rabs, the worst coaching expedition I've ever seen. That was bad. Rabs. What was the last game you watched before I continue? I don't even know, dude. I have no idea. Maybe like from wire to wire, maybe Thanksgiving. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's fine. I have I was no just idea. I'm, I'm just curious because. What did I miss? What did I miss? Zooming back out, this team lost <laughs> what was supposed to be its number one receiver in Tyrell Williams. That was a total joke. Also lost its number one corner in Jeff Okuda, apparently, in week one. You lost both those guys in week one. Uh, you lost your best alignment and your best D lineman. Ragnar Okwara, respectively, not to mention Swift was in and out. Jamal Williams was in and out. TJ Hawkinson was shut down. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like the backups really embraced Dan Campbell's mentality there. And that's why guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and Charles Harris and Jerry Jacobs, all three of which should be starting next year, were able to play so well and rise to the occasion. So that's that. That's credit to Dan Campbell. He had some bad mistakes against the Bears, like Rabs just mentioned. Some questionable fourth down decisions. But, hey, I'm sure everyone saw. Do you guys see the stat that the Lions set the record for fourth down plays attempted and converted this year? Woo-hoo. Converted 21, attempted 41. So, uh. you know, you're 50-50 and in, 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 in playing the win situations. Now, golf was horrendous against, like, the Bengals, the Eagles, and the Steelers. Uh, but it was somewhat nullified given the fact that he finished the season so strong. And I guess, Rabs, that's why I wanted to know uh, what you saw at the end there because um, after that, I mean, after basically since the win, he finished 3-1 and one in games that he started because, remember, he missed three of them. Uh, you know, Tim Boyle, Timmy Boyle slid in there for a bit. But he led, game winning, he led game-winning drives in, in two of your wins, and the third win was a wire-to-wire win against the Cardinals. So I just think that – you know, he finished 20th in passing yards and passing touchdowns. He missed three games. He pretty much is what we thought he was. I just think that he cleaned some stuff up by the end and actually led you to a couple wins, which I thought was impressive. So I think he's at least earned a chance for next season when you got an easier schedule, a healthier O-line. You've got a couple more weapons on offense. You've got a new OC. I just think it's, it's worth it. It's, and you add to the fact, the cherry on top, is that there's no quarterback out there right now that the Lions could even realistically go get. People are saying to Sean Watson, that's just not going to happen, I don't think. Like, I, I don't think anyone yeah, – First of all, I don't want to Sean Watson. Well, I don't that's either. Not. I don't either. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think it's even happening. But He's anyway, in, like, prison, so, yeah. Yeah, this is my last thing. Overall, the Lions laid the foundation this season, so I think Holmes and Campbell now get their second offseason, their second draft, their second installment in this potential six-year plan. 
and looking around this division with the Bears and Vikings undergoing extreme regime changes and how bad Jordan Love was against the Lions in week 17 or week 18, the first ever week 18. I like where the Lions are at. Call me crazy compared to the rest of this division. So that's about all I got. I think the future is bright. Uh, I'm going to Ross St. Brown is fantastic. And that is all I have for the Lions. Trent, you made a good point there. They they did compete in a lot of games. And I liked what you said at the end because that was the first thing my mind went to is the Lions could actually compete if the whole big what if is if Rodgers leaves, which I, I actually don't think Rodgers is going to leave Green Bay. I think he resigns. I think he hates them. I think he's. I, I think he does, but at the end of the day, like Trent, I looking at the quarterback landscape. Other than Denver, I don't know where he would go. I think. Same well, the, no. The thing is, anyone would take him, though. Anyone would take him. No, with the I, of, like, obviously. I no, no. So it, it doesn't matter where he where what teams want him because everyone would. T- I guess that's what I'm saying. Like he can yeah, go but, wherever, and people will dump whatever situation they have going. Like yeah, but he's not. He's. He's not getting traded to just like a random team. The no, no, Packers he's not. He's, he's right not getting. No, he's not getting traded anymore. He he's restructured his contract. This is last year. He's a free no, no. I exactly though. Trying if he doesn't like any of the situations, I just I'll sign another one year deal in Green Bay. Or I can retire. see him doing that. Yeah, like, but LeBron. everyone, every what I guess what I'm I get what you're saying. I agree. I just I think ultimately though, anyone would be willing to like the dude, like the Giants or something. Would be willing yeah, to like he's sec- not going to do that. I whatever. This is not even my point. My point is, you're right. The division is going to open up here once he leaves, and you have the Bears and the Vikings right now that are main regime changes. I actually think the Vikings will be pretty good if they are able to figure out some of their stuff. They still have a ton of talent. Yeah, they got a good well, roster. Yeah, yeah. I think the Bears is. I, I that's a shit show. So I, I don't know. And you, you, I think the like push and pull here is what they do this offseason spending wise if they're gonna like go not go for it because they should never go for it but be a little bit more aggressive I hope they don't because I think they're a little bit further away than maybe this like end of the season misled people they're still they still only won three games Jared Goff is still their quarterback they're not like you said they're not taking a franchise quarterback this this draft and if you look at free agency there's not one so you might as well and it seems like they're gonna let golf play another year which is whatever i think people have cooled off on the idea like golf is so terrible whatever i think people will get right back on that idea when it's week six and he's still doing the same shit he did the first five weeks of this year so um i think they're really far away but you're right trent they they made a lot of progress and the sense where I do think the culture is good. Like, I do think people, like, you look at Campbell, you're like, oh, I want to play for that guy, which I think is – that is something in the NFL. I don't know how far it will take him because he also was so up and down in game this year. Like, there was stuff in game this year. I was like, oh, he's awesome. There's stuff in game where I was like, this guy should not have a job. So – but the main thing was switching to culture, which was toxic when Patricia was there, and he's done that. So I'm not going to say this was a successful year because they won three games. But from that standpoint, it was successful because they were able to change the culture, and I think that was the biggest thing going And I think they did pretty good in the draft this year, to be honest. Penny Sewell looked awesome all year. Amon St. Brown was basically couldn't be covered the last like six weeks of the year. 
And I think you go into this draft, you're like, we got to draft a lot more defensive players and we got to get another wide receiver. So I, I takeaways is I think you have a clear direction going forward, which is good. And positives but it's not successful when three games there's a a lot of embarrassments on there too well yeah of course not because that's why you gotta like try to zoom out and keep it in like a big picture because yeah they were terrible for 13 weeks and then they come on strong at the end here real quick before we get raps involved i want to go through my little off-season to-do list there's like six things on here and i'll just read them off and this is in no particular order one, you got to get rid of the Quinn Patricia guys. You just got to get rid of them. Like Trey Flowers, Will Harris. They can't be on the team next year. Second, you got to get players healthy. Please get rid of Will them. Harris. There's like players that you didn't even realize that you kind of forgot about, like Quint Cephas. He just was hurt in the second week. Like he might be kind of good. So you got to bring him back. Uh, third, you got to re sign Charles Harris, Jalen Reeves, Maven, Tracy Walker, Jack Fox. Those are your four unrestricted or restricted free agents that I think you got to bring back. Then promote Ben Johnson to offensive coordinator. Then let Aaron Glenn sign whoever the hell he wants. And keep Aaron Glenn. Do you guys see that he's like he's uh interviewing for the Broncos job? He should. I, I doubt they hire him because he's a defensive guy. Right. And they need an offensive guy. But I mean he was awesome. I think that's another takeaway that he was really, really good. They have no they do not have talent on that, and they played very, very tough yeah, in the back yeah. half of the season. He was a very big bright spot, so I absolutely think he deserves consideration to be a head coach, but I hope to God he doesn't leave because that – I mean, his – I mean, his two most – the two defensive players, I mean, I was looking forward to watching the most this year was Okuda and Okwara, and they both were out for the year immediately, so. Yeah. Yep. That's all I got, Rabs. You want to hop in? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm going to I'm going to what I'm about to say, I will preface by saying that there was a certain breaking point in my brain and soul where I stopped watching the Lions. And it was so Jared Goff was pretty much solely responsible for it, to be completely honest with you. Um, but looking at the totality of, of what we have this year, was it a successful year? No, it wasn't. You won three games. You were projected to win like five. You couldn't even get there. Um I mean, like, let's looking at Dan Campbell, Collins, you, you kind of said it like there were games where I would watch the team and be like, okay, I, you know, I like some of these decisions. I appreciate him being aggressive. And then there's times where you're like, this guy, it's, it's showing that he's never been a head coach before in the NFL. And I think that given his makeup and who he is as a person, you're willing to take a flyer on something like that because I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I think he has changed the culture here as far as guys want to play for him. And it, it seemed like all the way to week 18, the team still got up to play. And, you know, you had some big wins over some good teams, being Arizona, being Green Bay, which is great. Um, I just look at this year and I, I just don't really – I, I don't really know where the positives are. I'm sorry. I mean, DeAndre Swift was There's banging. positives. But, but okay. But How about like, Amon Ross St. Brown breaking Calvin Johnson's record? Great. That, I, that, I'll that i give you that one. Something. I'll give you, Something. I'll give you Amon Ross St. Brown, once they actually started fucking throwing him the ball, actually showed you something. DeAndre Swift was hurt for some time, but when you, when you give him the ball and you see him cook, you know, I think he's exactly what we thought he was going to be this year as far as, you know, being a guy that can really open up the game for you from the running back position. Um, TJ Hawkinson, I thought, was very disappointing this year, again, because his quarterback can't get him the ball. Then he got hurt. 
you had injuries on your O-line all year long, but at least, you know, the, the pieces you had there were fine. They were really injured this year. Sneaky. Yeah, 100%. So um, that comes with the territory. I think on defense, like, you know, Aaron Glenn did a, a really nice job with, with a roster that really isn't all that good. I just, I guess I'm saying more so for the future. Like, I don't, I think all you're really building on is the fact that you have another year of off season moves, because I don't know how much of this roster you're carrying into next year, other than your offensive line and Amon Ross St. Brown and like Deandre Swift, where you're like, this team, like this team's going to do something. Like, I don't, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, we, we used to, we used to talk, all day about um, Matt Patricia and, and Quinn and like getting, excuse me, getting their Patriot guys in. And like, now I got to watch Brad Holmes bring in fucking Michael Brockers who didn't do fuck all this year. And Alex Anzalone, who is like, Oh, he's a cool guy to watch run around. Cause he's got long hair, but like, what are we talking about here? So I guess the good thing for Brad Holmes is that, his background and his like strengths are, are, is the draft and, and scouting college talent. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic that they'll have a good draft. I thought the draft last year was solid. I'm hopeful and optimistic that this year they will find some players again that can contribute to this team. But I just, I, I, there's, there's like no even thought of this team being relevant until like year four of Dan Campbell's, tutelage because yes you will have Jared Goff again next year yes he still he, he still does stink so they're not cutting him because of the money you're right when you say that they're not, unless they make some unbelievable Hail Mary and they trade up and they're like you know what Matt Corral's the guy we're going to get him from Ole Miss I don't see them taking their franchise quarterback in this draft which is fine you don't have to but at a certain point you do because Jared Goff is not the answer. I don't care how, how much of Brad Holmes. Yeah, but everyone knows that Rabs. Everyone knows that. Right. So everyone knows that. Great. Well, the lions are going to be unwatchable again next year. And they're not year three. I just completely disagree with you. On what front? What, what, how are they? They were unwatchable this year. year? They They were unwatchable for about a month. They won three games. I understand they won three games, but for four, there was like a month there. They were unwatchable where they got hammered by the Bengals, hammered by the Eagles, and the offense looked like shit. And then the back half of the year, their defense competed. And I'm not saying golf is this world leader. I said that. I still think golf handicaps you. But to say they're just like the throw it out, they're going to be unwatchable next year just because Jared Goff's their core. Like he showed you enough where it's like, I mean, like they're, if the, there's pieces around him, which there weren't this year, that they can be somewhat competitive. I'm not saying they're going to the playoffs next year. I don't believe that. But to just be so dismissive, and we already talked about all the injuries, Okora, Okuda, Radnow. Radnow's like an all-pro. He didn't play all year with this offensive line. Taylor Decker was in and out of the lineup. I don't think he played the what, the first 10 weeks of the year? So, like, there's a ton of things coming back for the science team, they're going to be watchable next year. I'm not saying they're going to play us, but to say like, oh, this is going to be another two and four. They're going to win at least six games next year. I'll bet my life on that. 
Well, the schedule this year was also impossible. Well, the, like, yeah, the, the schedule next year is very, very favorable. I'll give you that. I just, I don't know, guys. I mean, look, like I said, I think, I think Dan Campbell's a guy that I would want to play for. I don't want to understate how important it is to have a coach that can connect with the players, the guys want to play for that is legitimately changing the culture. I, I would like Rod Wood to take the next flight out of Detroit and never come back ever again. And the, 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 the fact that he's still with the organization makes me sick because he doesn't know what he's doing. So I'd like him to get out. Um, other than that, no, I'm, I'm optimistic and hopeful for this upcoming draft. Um, and obviously we can talk about potential draft picks in future episodes because it is a ways away, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't like, I think that this roster still has two or three years to be built for them to be like, and, and you got to hope Aaron Glenn stays. I don't, can we talk about, I, I, I guess I'll stop my rambling about like wh- what I took from this season. Can we talk about um, Anthony Lynn being fired? Cause I just don't, I just don't fundamentally understand what the dynamic was of like, he was calling plays then he wasn't. And I got to hear people tell me that he wasn't a good play caller, even though he's like one of the most highly touted offensive coordinator signings in the off season. Like, I don't, what, what was the issue? What, well, I him and Campbell, I think him and golf didn't like each other. Like right off. I wouldn't like though. Jared Goff either, but so that was Listen, the issue. Hey, well, Lynn Rabs, if you, Andy Lynn was a good head coach, I think people liked him as a head coach offensively. He's not the most creative and like, yeah, it was boring. I get it's, yeah. And especially. Yeah. So I, I think there was some distant out there and golf didn't like him. And I think this was always like, I'm going to go to Detroit for a year. I mean, it wasn't an easy job. Like the OC job with this like wide receiver core that they had. So I bet he was frustrated the whole year. So I, I it just seemed like golf didn't like him and they, Campbell's like, I guess I'll start, I'll step in. It just wasn't a fit. And I, I, I don't think it's like, it's not like you had like Bill Belichick as your DC and it just didn't work out. Like I'm not like Lynn's not that mastermind. So I, it's not the end of the world. I also, I guess that's why it's just important to continue to bring up that. Yeah. They're going to have a new OC next year and it's most likely going to be in house. This Ben Johnson guy, the tight ends coach, he seems to be because he was helping call plays at the end there. They're, they're, you know, they're pulling off these trick plays. Tom Kennedy, shout out, has more passing yards than receiving yards in his career, and he's a receiver. So that was great. But I I just think, you know, golf coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, started to play better at the back half of the year, and that's when Campbell or Ben Johnson were calling plays. So ultimately, yeah, you had to move on from Lynn, and we saw the writing on the wall from, like, week eight or wherever it was when they started to, like, reports came out that he was disgruntled and stuff. But, hey, props to him for sticking around because he could have just quit midseason, but he didn't. All right. Well, I guess that solves that. I just was – I was. I guess I was very out of touch of, like, what the dynamic was and who was calling plays on what week and whatever. If he's – I don't know. I, I think Anthony Lynn's a very good football mind. It's a shame it didn't work out here because, you know, like that was the big thing coming into the season was all the coaching staff, the staff, a lot of former players, whatever. So – Right. Yeah. I don't know, guys. I, I look, it, it was, I think you knew what you were going to get this season. I think I learned a lot about, I, and I feel bad because I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing me talk about Jared Goff as I am myself. I just, I have no faith in him. And I think that I was surprised to see how bad he actually is. So 
yeah, I'll give you guys credit where credit's due. They were banged up. They didn't have some guys they thought they were going to have all year. It's it's the first year of a new regime. You know, other teams struggled heavily too. The Jets obviously struggled. The Jaguars struggled. Um, the Texans struggled. So all it's it's not like who who is who's been the most successful first year coach this year? Uh, ah, I'm. It's probably obvious. Staley was Staley there last year. It's got to be Staley. Oh, it's Staley. Was he the? Is he the? Is he a first year coach with these yeah. guys? He I sucks. Mean, uh, by the way, God, am I glad the Lions don't have too. him? Holy shit! Well, look, I guess Rabs. This is a good little segue into like a little point I thought of when you were sure. talking. Is like, I would rather have the Lions situation right now than a lot of these other bad teams. Like, I would rather be the Lions and the Giants right now. I'd rather be the Lions and the Jaguars, even though they got Trevor Lawrence. Disagree with that. The Jets. Oh. I was actually going to agree with that. Trent. I can no, because Laura. I say what you want. I don't. I take everything to have with Lawrence with a drink. Lawrence is a dude. We still having a franchise quarterback. Yes, but Collins, they have nothing. Their culture sucks. Their front office. That doesn't sucks. matter. It doesn't it does matter. matter. It does matter. You're right. No, Trent. no, 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 no. You're right. When, when you Rabs, when you talk about culture and having a franchise quarterback, franchise quarterback is up on top of Mount like Himalaya. And having a good culture Welcome on to the top Himalayas. of the McDonald's, like double doctor and East Lansing. It's important, but it's nowhere near as important as having a franchise quarterback. Well, that's true. But Collins, he didn't play that great this year. I'm not no, saying he's not. He I'm, but... I'm just saying like in a vacuum, I would rather be the lions right now than I, than yeah, I would. We don't know Jaguars. if Lawrence is going to be a franchise. He was great in college so far. I said, you, I mean, you saw the last week of year against the Colts. He made some plays where you're like, okay, that guy's. No, that, that's, that's fair. I mean, they, they hung like 33 on a really good Colts defense. I'm just saying bottom line, there's like probably six or seven teams in this league that are bad. And the lions are one of them. And I think they're the best bad team. Like in yeah. terms of in terms of their future, the culture. I know they don't got the quarterback thing figured out yet, but the staff is great. The front office is apparently great. Like we're gonna we're gonna see what's gonna happen here. But dude, right. I would so much rather be the Lions right now than be the Jets with with uh, Zach Wilson. And he's he's already got injury concerns. Yeah, I don't but- I don't disagree. I think that's a good point you bring up, and maybe that's where I can I can lean on that for optimism. And I guess maybe where we can wrap things up, unless. You guys have more to say, but I, I will say out of these teams that are in a similar spot, as far as these bad teams have first year coaches, what have you, I would agree with that, that I think the lions, like I love their offensive line when healthy. I do. I love Deandre Swift and Jamal Williams as your one, too. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. I love Hawkinson um, defensively. I think there's a lot left to be desired. Um, but again, you lose Okwara who was gone the whole year. Okuda, Maybe, you know, Jeff Okuda will probably never, ever, ever live up to that third overall pick. Um, but I still do think he is a good player and can come back and, and can contribute. Like, he's going to be here for a while. So, yeah, I, I, I there, there is this weird there, – there is something to be said when you're playing on or you're rooting for or coaching a team that loses a lot of games. There's some teams that are able to, week after week, get off the mat and play even if they keep getting smacked and there's other teams that don't the Jaguars didn't get off the mat. They obviously have a lot of problems that go up to their owner. Um, the giants I thought were just completely misled and misguided all year. The jets didn't don't really have any pizzazz for me. And I agree. I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be some unbelievable NFL quarterback. Um, but I do think 
Texans, I do think there is something with the Lions that even though they would get smacked every single week, you were still relatively interested. And, and, and the narrative for the Lions was always, well, they have Dan Campbell and the guys love playing for him. I don't know what these other markets and teams and fan bases could lean on if you're a Jets fan or a Giant. I don't know. I, and I'm saying that out of complete, like, know-nothing audience. I don't know what – like, do people believe in Zach Wilson? I don't know. Do people believe in Daniel Jones? I don't know. But at least people here believe in Dan Campbell. And, and Collins, I 100% disagree with you as far as the franchise quarterback being, being more important than the culture because, I mean, you had Matthew Stafford here and they didn't get anything done because everything else around him was a mess. So I think with, with Dan Campbell being here and Brad Holmes being here, two guys that give a shit and that seem to have some type of football knowledge, that combination will, I think, eventually lead this team to, it, it, even if they're not winning Super Bowls, I don't think they will be as embarrassing as you've seen teams in the past uh, of the Lions. So I, I, I'm not losing faith in Dan Campbell. I still have yet to see his coaching abilities show me like, oh, this is a team that can go out and win 12 to 14 games and be a problem. But it starts with the roster at this point. Like you have your coach that you believe in. Great. Let's see some players around them and let's see if he can coach them up because as of now they, uh, they don't have much. So that's all I really have for the lions. That's a good closing thought. That's all. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously a lot to talk about going forward with this team. We can talk about the draft. We can talk about what they need, what they don't need. Um, you know, the, the offseason for the NFL, and especially a team like the Lions who are trying to rebuild and have a lot of question marks, is it's going to be important. So um, we'll talk about that going forward. Um, Trent, if you want to do a trifecta real quick before we close out the show, that would be great, and then I'm going to bed. Yeah, we absolutely can do that. All right, question one. This was a discussion that Brock and I had over the weekend. Would you rather have Brandon Pettigrew or Eric Ebron? Jeez. Ebron. I hate Eric Ebron. I hated Brandon Pettigrew. Pettigrew. I, I hate Eric Ebron. Say what you want about Ebron. Ebron was, like, good. He was. He was a good player. Pettigrew was always injured, and – I swear to God, Brandon Pettigrew was the king of like, oh, 25-yard run. Oh, it's coming back, Pettigrew. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, or just like every time he had the ball in his hands, you thought he was going to fumble it. Um, I mean, we spent a first-round draft pick on a blocking tight end. And I know Ebron was bad, but at least he was like supposed to be an a athlete. Playmaker. Well, dude, he and he did. He made a few plays in his career here where it was like, okay, that was – was pretty good. Whatever. I, I would I would also rather take Ebron, but it's close. I, just, I don't hate, like Ebron I either. Ebron. I'm just saying. I think he was better than Pettigrew. Yeah, it's definitely he was. Team. He was. I just don't like him. It's a culture. Call. Culture matters. All right. Second question in the same kind of arena here. Would you rather have Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan? Ooh, Shanahan. I, I would also probably agree. I, a knee jerk when Brack and I were talking about this, I said McVay, but the more I think about it, I think I'd rather have Shanahan. I'd rather have McVay's life. I feel like McVay <laughs> has like the best life ever. But um, the thing about McVay, I like, I do think McVay is really, really good and stuff like that. But there's something about like the Rams and these big games, and I know they went to the Super Bowl and stuff that they just like 
come up short. And by the way, if Stafford doesn't win a playoff game in LA, it's going to be a problem for the Stafford people. <laughs> yeah, it really, it, it I is. Agree. Because it's going to be a mark on his record because this Rams team is loaded. And well, he's yeah, been the just, shit the last like month. It just sucks they got a tough draw because they got to play the Cardinals again. Yeah, because Stafford played the shit for a month. And I love Stafford. Yeah. He just has not played well recently. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Like, I'm going to be watching that thing. game. I'm going to be watching that game like it's like the last football game I'll ever watch. He needs it. He needs yeah. it more than anyone, dude. Yes, I know. I'm scared. I hope he gets it. I really do. I've like <sighs> turned a corner because it like, I mean, NFL draft, I got, I mean, it depends what they do, where the Pistons, I'm not the Pistons, the Lions have their second first round pick, but I hope Stafford like goes far in the playoffs because I hate people who are like, it goes too far because sometimes it's like, oh, he's a top five quarterback, which I don't think is true. And then there's also like, oh, there's the staff for the Lions where he sucks. Like, he never sucked in Detroit. So I, I I just hope he's able to win like one or two games where it's like, oh, yeah. he's better than Turk Cousins, but he's not yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I uh, To that question, Trent, I will take McVay just because Kyle Shanahan comes off as kind of like a stiff to me. I don't know. I, I think he's a good coach, but – Sean McVay's got that little bit of nerdiness to him where you're like, you're like, oh, this guy just loves football so much. And he's like, he'll try to be your friend where Kyle Shanahan's like, oh, I'm too cool. Like, I wear my hat with like the world's smallest logo on it. What I a bad that hat. hat. That hat makes no sense. Yeah. It's like, what do you like, 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 what are we, what are we trying to do here, Kyle? So I would take McVay. I think they're both very good coaches and I would love either of them in Detroit, but McVay. All right. Okay. Last one. Same kind of question. And this is two guys who might not be with their current teams next season. We'll see. Ooh. Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield? Oh, God. Cousins, dude. Dude, well, I think Baker that's Mayfield what I think too, but... sucks. Well, Ravs, to be fair, Ravs hates Baker. Yeah, I don't really care for him. But I also call Which I don't I... understand. He's just like Johnny Manziel 2.0 to me. Little little guy like runs around, thinks he's thinks he's all that in a bag of apple jacks, and I don't like Baker like Johnny at all. Huh? Did you not I like hate, Johnny Manziel? I hated Johnny Manziel, and I I called it what when he came want? out. Rabs is like, let me tell you about a real football player, Herschel Walker. <laughs> he just used to hand it to the referee, run over the linebacker. <laughs> Unbelievable. I don't care like Johnny I, Manziel. Everyone liked Johnny Manziel. I did, I, I hated him. I did not like Johnny Manziel. I don't really care for Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield's kind of a punk. He's he's really done nothing, <laughs> nothing impressive You're to me. So I don't. Old. I don't he think he's good. He was kind of a punk. Kirk, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins is nothing special either. But at least from like a game manager, he's a professional. He can get the job done. He's. I would take Kirk Cousins over Cousins Jared Goff. I cousin. I. I Baker was hurt this year. I don't necessarily like. He was good last year for the Browns. Like he was. And in that playoff game yeah, in the Browns Pittsburgh were last the year. The Browns were good for the Browns last year. Well, but in that playoff game in Pittsburgh, he played great. So yes, I he did. And they had like was it the Browns where Henny came in? Yeah, it was Henny came in that game. I mean, the Browns had a pretty good shot last year getting the Super Bowl. If you really think I mean they could have won that game in Kansas City and they ended up. Yeah, not. I just people like 
I think people look at someone like Baker Mayfield and there's two ways you can look at like his attitude and his quote unquote swagger and the way he plays and the things <laughs> says, where some people are like, oh, this guy's a gamer. I think he's a punk. Like when I think gamer, I'm thinking like a, like a Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a gamer. Like he, he's got a little bit of cockiness to him, but he goes out and makes They're plays. like the same dude. It's a no, Joe they're Burrow not. They are not the same dude, dude. Come on. They hold themselves Joe in the Burrow's same a way. Yeah, but like Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow's a winner. He's not in your face cocky. Baker, Baker's a, like, Baker's like grabbing huh? his junk and like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You think Joe Burrow's ever grabbed his penis on live TV? <laughs> probably, <laughs> he probably has. I don't understand this take, Rabs. He's a punk. How is he a punk? Everyone in the organization, well, I, I picked Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is better than Baker. Good, Mayfield. that's the right answer. I picked Kirk But your Cousins idea too. of, like, oh, he's a punk. Uh, he got arrested for what? Getting too hammered in college? Probably half the NFL has been arrested. I, I don't know about oh. that. Joe Burrow's never been arrested. No, he hasn't. But I also. That's I, a gamer. That's a guy I'd like <laughs> to have. Justin Everyone, Herbert's a gamer. Uh, people love Baker. Like his teammates like Baker, so I don't understand Great. the whole. How they do this year? <laughs> I, can't, I, I just I can't. You are okay. Just listen to Colin Coward for like fucking. I hate Colin Coward too. <laughs> hate him. Rabs isn't like anyone. I don't. I, it's Rabs <laughs> literally has all uh, like a whole room of Stafford worship, and then the rest <laughs> like, I hate their jobs. Plays the game the right way. Name guys. I'll tell you if I like them or not. That should be a well, second. Hey, Baker has more uh, playoff wins than Stafford. Yes, he does. Not for long. That's I, I'm just going to say this. I hope Stafford wins. If he loses, it's it's going to – Jeff Rieger be will a, be unbearable on <laughs> like It'll be a terrible one. day for me. I will be crushed oh, every Stafford, like I'm going to like tweet at Tony Dombrowski if <laughs> Stafford loses. Oh God! Get on him. We'll be. We should get Tony D on the pod. Why not? The 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 the, uh, the Detroit sports media will be talking about Matthew Stafford until the guy's dead. Like that just. Dude, the Detroit always... sports media is maybe I think with the exception of ninety seven one, and we all like ninety seven one, but I think it's a majority like the most positive group of people for like the most like the worst set of franchises in all of American sports right now. There's beauty in the struggle. It's unbelievable. That's probably you don't talk enough about how bad Woodward Sports is either. So I don't know. But <laughs> what did Rab say a couple weeks ago? <laughs> Bunch of hacks. It's not even that. It's just like, <laughs> like who are objectively these some of their tates are just so bad. It's like really funny. But I, I didn't even I'm know tired. Detroit sports existed. Like media existed outside of ninety-seven-one. I don't. That's all I listened to. Whoa, Joe and. Hey. Pat Caputo. Oh, I had to listen to Pat Caputo on the way home from the Pat game. dude. Pat Caputo is a fixture of after like coming a game from Comerica or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I will say this Caputo is like not the best, but like Caputo actually like knows his stuff. I've like, talked to Pat his... on the air a couple times. What I've talked to Pat on the air a couple times. He 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 knows his stuff, but it's just like he his some of his tapes are just like, dude, what are we doing? What about Rico? I love Rico. I despise him. I think he's I awful. I don't know why you despise Rico. I saw him. I was sitting behind him at the MSU game. I, I bet I would like him game. in person. I probably would love to hang out with him. He seems like a nice guy. Him and Valeni together, I think is terrible. Yeah, he's not great with Valeni. I'll give you that. 
I like you, really you put not. Rico with like Karsh. I actually think that would be like, you know what I mean? It's just like not a. It's a weird matchup to have like two like diehard MSU slaps. Yeah, I think yeah, Rico and- Rico like spends the whole show like trying to like make Mike like him almost. Like that's what no. I- it's like the whole show is like okay, let's do a whole thing trolling Michigan for like an hour and a half, and then. Let me say something, make an analyst a hot take about something I clearly didn't watch. Like, there's stuff Rico says. I'm like, Rico, did you, you did not watch that game. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Rico had his FanDuel app open the entire MSU game, too. I was sitting behind him. Money on the line. That's a nice little inside info. Yeah, nice inside baseball for you. Yeah. All right. Is that all we got? That's all yeah. we got. All right. All right, first episode of 2022, eh? Yeah. And it took us two weeks. All right, well, that is it for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show on Twitter at Motown underscore Rundown. We are also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. If you're feeling so kind, give us five stars, say something nice about us, subscribe, follow us, whatever you got to do. New episodes pretty much every week, unless we miss a week, in which case episodes every other week. But we will be back next week, another episode. Thank you for listening. We love you guys. See you next time.